Welcome to Deep Dive. My name is Dawn. I hope you're all having a wonderful day today. And Joe is on the way to recovery. And we're so happy to know that he will probably be here next week, which is amazing. So continue your prayers that he will just be even better next week. It'll be so amazing to hear from him again. And this podcast is presented to you by Plantation SDA Church. And today we have Pastor Jen. Hi, Pastor Jen. How are you? Hello. I am doing well. You doing are doing well. well. That's good. And this is season three, episode six of the podcast. And your sermon was Embracing Love. And before we get into your sermon, we just open with a word of prayer. I mean, Father, you are so amazing, the way that you love us, the way that you continue to be in our hearts and in our minds, the way that you help us to understand more about you and how to love one another. And we ask God now that as we open up this sermon, open it up to dive deeper into it, that you will just show us how much you truly want us to learn and how much you truly want us to love one another that we will be able to pass it on to others is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So embracing love. You started off with Genesis 1, 26 and 27 mm-hmm. about being made in the image of God. Why did you choose that particular passage of scripture? Well, I was trying to think, how can we embrace love fully and the thought of especially with um when we were talking about this the speaking schedule for this month and the fact that it is black history and there's so many issues raised with black Mm -hmm. history right um and just going through the going through the news and it doesn't even mean that i'm reading history, or it doesn't even mean that I'm reading about particularly Black people, but it's the fact that the news lately has been filled with just so many tragic stories, Mm. you know, of people hurting each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and kids killing, killing other kids and, and parents killing kids. And it's just, if we can't, when I was thinking about how to pull it all together, if we can't look at each other and see each other, um, not even necessarily as a brother or a sister, because a lot of people don't, we as Christians, we can, we see each other as a brother and sister, right? But if we can't even see each other as human beings that are cast from the same image, then how are we going to love? You know, how, how, how is all of this how can all of this even pause, come to a stop? You know, we need to be able to see each other as equals. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, how do we see each other as equals? And I thought, oh, duh. <laughs> okay, let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. What did God, what did God try to do? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or what was, his, what was his full intention? And his full right. intention was to create himself manifested in all of us but 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 show different pieces of himself mm-hmm. and so when i think when i think about all the 
millions of people, billions in this world, and we're all unique, then so then can you just imagine all the pieces of God's character, each right. one that is stuck within us. And that's why I chose to, to start with um, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Mm -hmm. I realized in the second sermon that you expounded on that scripture and even brought in the fact of the rainbow in Ezekiel and how oh. we have the different facets and how it's so amazing how God's glory shines. Why do you think now, I mean, you talked about the news and everything. Why do you think now even within our own specific church, we don't dwell on that. Dwell on the fact that God, we're made in God's image, every single one of us. Why are we not dwelling on that, even though we're Christians? Hmm. I think the simple thing is it all comes down to self because we're all just wanting to crave that, you know, you know, sin makes you want to just desire things for you, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. For yourself. And, um, what, what makes me happy? And if what, mm -hmm. if what somebody else has would make me happy, then how can I get what somebody else has regardless of whether or not it belongs to me? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, you know, how, and how am I going to get that? And, and because someone else has it, but I don't have that gift, then that hatred, builds up. you know, that hatred builds up or that covetousness builds up mm -hmm. or, 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 or just looking up at a person you just don't like, you know, what, what I don't get sometimes is I just hear these odd conversations and, and you just look at someone and you just decide that you don't like them, whatever it is. What, what, whatever it can be, you know, how, how they stand, their bearing, um, what they're wearing, how they look, you know, and, and I think how, how, how can we do that? Yeah. You know, how can we just cast that prejudgment upon first look, mm. which goes in line with the fact that, you know, first impressions are everything, but why can't we, why can't we see one another at the very first onset and say that person is good? And it all comes down, it all comes down to, to sin and our basic desire, mm -hmm. our basic selfish desire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would have thought that, you know, as a Christian, we would check it and we would say, <laughs> we're not going to do that because we're Christians, you know, because we know God. Oh my goodness. We're the worst of them sometimes, you know? <laughs> I mean, come on, someone walks into our, and th this was just, um, was it last Sabbath or, the Sabbath or this, this was just said to me, you know, how can someone, someone walk into our door, uh, but, but you know, we hadn't been, I don't think we've been yeah. fully mm. open yet, but it was just a general conversation of how can someone walk into our door and they, they're not as nicely dressed as we are. Maybe they heard about us, but our first impression is, oh, you're not fully dressed for church. We're not saying it, but we're thinking it. it. And then we're saying it to each other, uh -huh. you know, about the person that just walked in. I tell you. And, but, but, but here we are saying, come, we want to love you. Come as you are. Right, come as you are, but that's the first impression. Or you mm -hmm. see a tattoo, you see a tattoo, or you see a group of, a group of tattoos, and then you immediately think, Oh, that person came from a bad past. What what if the person just liked tattoos? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Wow. 
very, very fascinating. So you started to open up about plantation. And I did, I have to say that I actually learned something because I did not know that Filipino, Japanese, Chinese were actually doing sugarcane as well. Mm-hmm. The way I was raised, it was like Caribbean people, this is what we did. And that was our thing. And we, you know, did the sugarcane and shipped it off. And, you know, we, we did all those things. I've seen the historical sites and the different islands I've been to. I did not know it was in Hawaii too. That well, it, I learned something too. I knew that I knew that there from a young age that the sugarcane workers were of all ethnicities. And perhaps this is this is one of the reasons why Hawaii is called literally called the melting pot. Oh, okay. Because because of all the ethnicities there. But I remember sitting, so I, I knew back of my mind, I knew that we we were comprised of um, several ethnicities, mainly along the more Asian um, mm-hmm. ethnicity, right? But I was sitting in the parking lot. I'm not sure if it was this visit or the last visit. I was sitting in the parking lot. And I just happened to be looking. I was just sitting, waiting for my mother. And I happened to be looking around at all the stores that were around me. Mm-hmm. And this was like the, this, is, this wasn't the newer shopping malls, but this is the, what do you, what, what do you call the street shopping strip strip malls malls, yes strip malls Mm -hmm. and about every second second or third because there's a lot of food eateries and Mm -hmm. so forth right Mm -hmm. every second or third or every other or every second store there it was a japanese store oh wow a japanese fusion well so it was you know i can't i can't remember the names but i just know I know the kanji or how it, you know, mm. how it was said. And mm. I thought, oh, okay, there's sushi over there. And then there is the, the, the Asian store where you buy all the different um, food utensils. And then there is another one there. I'm thinking, and then I look around like, wow, this is, this is a lot of Japanese culture. I, I, I'm not sure why wow. it wasn't clicking with me at that point, wow. but then and then I realized, and then I began to think about how, how we have a lot of Japanese tourists that come through. Right. And, and I, you know, that, that assimilated in my head. But then when I began reading about life on the plantation, then I realized that the contracts first went out to Japan. Oh, so 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 when the European settlers came and they were, they were trying now to to well to to grow the crops and make money uh, and they needed a bunch of laborers right you know the contracts first went to japan and so i think in the first wave um if i'm correct what i had read was thousands of japanese came first or, or not thousands actually hundreds of japanese came first okay. and then and then the contracts got bigger then then it was offered to other ethnicities but the first wave was the japanese wow so where and the yeah local people of hawaii they were not working no the local the local people were the ones who were first working but not paid so they were made so i found that so interesting because we used to be a monarchy 
Right. It used to be a monarchy with, with a king and a queen. Okay. And then let's, I don't even know how to say this without sounding racist, but then the white settlers came in. And took over everything? Took over. We were, you know, our monarchy was, we, we tried, we, um, and it, I don't think it was all because of them, but we, we tried hard to keep, I'm not going to say too much because the, <laughs> the lions are going to come after me. Like, wait, that wasn't exactly correct. Um, um, you know, our monarchy was disbanded. And okay. then when it was disbanded, um, they made the local Hawaiians work the sugarcane fields. Yeah. Makes so sense. there was a huge, there was a huge population of the Hawaiian ethnicity, you know, Hawaiian because now when you go to Hawaii, it's a melting pot, right? But right. of course, at the beginning, it was mainly all Hawaiian. Right. And so I forget the ratio that I read, but there was, let, let, let's just say it was about this ratio. There was about 78% Hawaiian um, in Hawaii, and many of the many many of the locals were made to work the land, their own lands. Wow, on the sugarcane, wow. right? Wow. And 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 they were not paid. Wow. And so they don't exactly call them slaves because they were allowed to go back to their own homes, but they still had to work the they land. A choice, though. Right. Wow. And so. And, and then, so, so now after, I don't know how many years it was, that was in the 1800s. By the time um, the Japanese began coming through, when, when they began coming through and the other ethnicities, ethnicities came, the percentage of Hawaiians dwindled, went from like 78% to like 32. What happened to them? I don't know. I have to read more, but it, it shows on how, on how, um, was that a mixture? People were mixing yes. or is it? Oh. People, people were mixing oh. now. Okay. And so now when you go home, people add that. That's why now the culture is it. I don't want to say it's dying out, but people ask like, oh, what, what, what race are you? And it's hard to find. It's hard to find um, 100% mm -hmm. Hawaiians. And so, but there, there are, there are, and within them, they, they, they keep on populating or yeah, populating to make, make more, sure but, they, but it's very, but to, to make sure that they don't die out, don't die out. Right. Oh, you know, wow. but, but now you have, th that's why there are so many sacred grounds on Hawaii that people can't touch. And it's not sacred because, you know, the, 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 it's not sacred because of spirits or anything, but that they're, they're trying to keep the land uh -huh. for for themselves, in, for in, indigenous, you know, trying to keep right. these parts sacred. And and so um, now when you go home, people will say, oh, so what are you? But it, it's funny because you'll hear stuff like, oh, I'm Filipino, Hawaiian, Japanese. Oh, my goodness. You know, so that's how the races yeah, yeah, yeah. are mixing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, so what are you? You're Filipino. I'm Filipino, um, Filipino Chinese. Filipino Chinese. Wow. Amazing. So that, uh, I, I'm very little Chinese. I think I'm like 15 or 10%, but mm. um, 
Is that paternal and or maternal side? The Chinese comes from my paternal side. I'm, I'm okay. told that maybe about four or five grandfathers back, he was a pure Mandarin mm-hmm. Chinese wow. with the whole like, uh, with the whole long braid that goes oh, wow, to like, really? the floor. Yeah, I know. I'm like, does anybody have pictures of this? But uh, no, no. Right? no, it's like it's <laughs> stories passed down from generation to generation. I'm like, that is so cool. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. And then we wonder why we have racism. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, no, it doesn't make sense. Your grandfather, um, listening to your story, about your grandfather your grandmother coming there i mean it's black history month so i i was thinking well you know i was waiting for the black story maybe a historic story and then realizing wait this is this is the same kind of story it's the same kind of coming from another country to try and make ends meet to bring the rest of the family over how ingrained is that story within all your um, your family do you talk about that with your children do they know the whole history of everything you know to be honest not for my children not too much because it, I guess uh, I guess because with me and my kids we have been away from home it's true yeah we are not we were not with the family like like chance only knew this is my first child for those of you who are all listening my eldest um was only lived in hawaii for four years with the with the main family and then we moved off and we haven't lived home for i don't know for oh, six, 17 years mm-hmm. And so even now, so, so, you know, when I, when I preached about that yesterday and surprise, surprise, my children are listening, you know, I had all these questions in the car, like, oh, wow, they, they had never met, they had heard stories of my, of their great grandfather, you know, and, but they had never, they had heard stories of stuff that we, I did as a kid, but they hadn't heard that background. Uh-huh. Sometimes I'll, re- sometimes I'll refer to it like oh yeah my grandpa came by boat mm-hmm. um from the philippines but then i guess i guess to them it's like oh okay okay <laughs> whatever all right but but now when they went yeah. when they heard it they're like mama we didn't know that grandpa worked on the the plantation and and on the sugarcane plantation mm-hmm. in hawaii i'm like mm-hmm. yeah and you know it's some of these stories is the uh, Grandpa was a very private man and, and he would tell the stories, right? But I think for our sakes, he maybe he didn't go into much of the, if the, 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 the details or any of the horror of it all. Mm-hmm. His, his, his main focus for us was, hey, be lucky that you are living in the land of plenty mm-hmm. because this is what we came here to do for you. Mm-hmm you know, um, work hard. Um, remember, remember the family, always, always remember the family Mm. and and give back Mm. not only to your family, but give back to the community around you. And he, he taught because, because of his example and what he did. And this is why I get so amazed by his story is he came with nothing. 
Mm. right? As a 16 year old, he came with nothing. He built up his little business and you, you wouldn't think, you know, you wouldn't think, oh, um, from peddling, he couldn't do much, but the way that they did it, the way they did it, he diligently saved. And then how they, how I had said, they, they, they would gather and they would pool and buy houses, etc. Mm-hmm. But he, he was, he had such a, such the mind of an entrepreneur that he watched, he got some, he somehow was, um, gotten, got interested in construction and architecture. Mm. So he watched how houses were built. He never had a formal education on how to build houses, Mm -hmm. but he watched how how they were built. He got involved in helping people build their houses. And he was the one who built his own two houses Mm -hmm. or three. And then, and the ones that we grew up in Mm. and he helped other people build their houses. And so and so now when you think it, and he, and well, I'm, I'm not bragging, but I guess I am kind of bragging, you know, he, he had such a good saving and budget ethic that you wouldn't think that this little man from the Philippines, who was very business-minded, he socked away and he, he, his business mind became like, okay, well, I have these houses and I have that, you know, and then I can rent out now. Mm-hmm. So he started saving for his family, for our education. So he he took care of immediate family, but then he started saving for us. And he had saved by the time he, I don't know, I don't know how old he was, like 67, it had to be in the 70s. And we were now going off to college and getting married, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. He had given us, he goes, oh, these are CDs, CDs for you to help with your education. Or, and then, you know, and then when we were ready, you know, we cashed them out and, oh yeah, that, you know, that helped. It was just a few thousand, but that helped to start us Wow, in in education. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then when we each got married, he handed us another CD just to, just to help with, with, with the cost or whatever we want to use it for. Do we want to put it down for, I don't know, a house, a car, whatever, you know? Mine went to my wedding, straight to my <laughs> wedding, but um, that's what he did. So he was able to look that far ahead into the future yeah. and, 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 and uh, put money away for it. So when I, when, if you back up a little bit and I was in college and at Newbold, mm-hmm. my very first year, and I had gone to um, all these, I had gone on trips And I, and this one particular choir trip that I went on that covered a bunch of different countries. And he's so frugal. He's so frugal, right? Even if you call him, like he needs to know why you're calling before, before he's going to accept the collect call. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Or or he'll ask, he'll ask mom, like, okay, what do they need? So he's prepared. So, so, so the call doesn't get too long. Right. Right, 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 right. And so, you know, I called him after, at the end of one of these trips, I was in France and I think we had, I had already gone through my eighth country in like two and a half weeks with the choir. Oh goodness. And, um, and I called him cause I was, I was staring at the Eiffel tower mm. and I called collect and I, I called collect. And I remember I said, grandpa is really quick. He goes, why are you calling me collect? And he looked, you know how much is cost? Why are you calling me? Where are you calling me from? <laughs> like I'm calling you from, 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 France grandpa and he paused and he says where are you calling me from and I said I'm I'm looking I'm looking at the Eiffel Tower 
and I'm calling you from France. And this is, I go really quickly, this, these are the countries that I have been through in the last two, two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just wanted to let you know that I'm finally in, because France had always been one of my goal countries, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and he paused and a little wobble came to his voice because he has always wanted to travel the world. Oh, wow. You know, one of his, one of his dreams have, has been to go to Australia. Grandpa never made it to Australia. His heart was such, his heart and soul was in his family. He was only in Hawaii, of course, the Philippines, Hawaii, and just a couple other states in, in the U.S. Yes. So now for him, he, he, he said, wow, he goes, it has been through, and I told him quickly what I'd seen and where I'd been. And after he, he, he had paused and he says, wow, um, it is through your eyes that I have walked and seen the world. Wow. You know, and, you know, I'm just like, I don't know what to say to that. You know, like, like wow, grandpa, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and, and then he's like, okay, okay, get off your, and he, he the broke phone. the legs. I was like, get off the phone. Um, and, and, and then, but then I realized it after, and now when I keep looking back, I'm like, it may have been through my eyes that he saw the world, but it was because of his. Yes his planning uh, that I got to see the world, exactly, you know? Exactly. And, and, and so this is the legacy that I, that, that I then understood like the hardship. These mm -hmm. were the dreams planted into, literally planted into the soil mm -hmm. of the sugar cane. Exactly. These were the dreams that he toiled for. He didn't know what the future was going to hold for him. Yeah, yeah. Right, but but he toiled for this backbreaking labor. He toiled for this. Wow, wow, wow! Amazing, amazing, amazing. Forgiveness was another big part of your sermon. Um, with your, you you brought in Joseph, and the story of Joseph and the brothers and. The fact that Joseph is treated so badly by his brothers and then afterwards, you know, he becomes this Pharaoh's second man in command and then all of a sudden his brothers come and now he has to be nice to them and he chooses to be nice to them. And then you did the correlation between your dad and your grandparents. Why did you think that was important to bring that up, that forgiveness aspect? Because no matter, I was looking at both the aspects of how my grandfather lived and how my father lived. Mm -hmm. And no matter on my grandfather's side, bless him, because now he's obviously passed, no matter how, no matter how successful he had been, no matter how much he had given to his family and the community. This shard of hate mm. fost fostered between mm. my grandmother and him. And I'm not going to dis disavow anything. I mean, my dad, I guess, had characteristics, has had characteristics too that they just didn't like. Like, right. Right. But, but, but they took those characteristics and like 
expounded them, mm-hmm. <laughs> dramatized them mm-hmm. out of proportion, mm-hmm. right? But so no matter how successful, no matter how loving towards other people, if there was that one aspect, if, and it was so strong mm-hmm. because what, what they fostered affects my family today. Mm. Wow. Right? This is the root of some of the drama that is still going on. Mm. You know, because my older siblings, my, my two older siblings were, 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 were raised more by my grandparents. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, my 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 younger brother and I, um, were not. We were we were made, raised poor by my, by my parents. But in my parents' quest also to make a better life, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, they they worked, and they went to school. And my older sisters were um, in my grandparents' care more, so they heard a lot more. Right. Right. You know. And, and, and they, were, they were told a lot more and they were raised to believe mm. a lot more. Mm. And, and so when you then begin to think of grandma and grandpa as your parents, mm. it's a whole nother story. Absolutely. So, so, this, is, so mm. this is how deep that resentment and hate went for my grandparents so you can be all this you can be loving you can use your 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 success to help you can or or to buy things or whatever but if there is this one aspect of hatred and unforgiveness that's Mm going to follow and poison Mm -hmm. you can be all this but this root of bitterness if not taken care of will fester mm-hmm. until you choose to take care of it. And so on one hand, where I solely admired how my grandparents did this, how they were able to just take care of all of us and they looked ahead, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, my heart felt bad for the relationship that was. Mm-hmm. So I felt that it was important to point this out because my, my dad came to Hawaii also in search of a better life from the Philippines. Right. 40-something years later, not the kind of back um, laboring work that my grandfather had, but with the same vision to now bring his, his sibling. He's the oldest of 11. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So he's, he's 25, 24, and he had the vision to now come and make a better life for his family to help pull them out from a poverty-stricken area and, and come over and slowly bring them over. So it was almost the same way. Um, he didn't come to work in the sugarcane field because that, 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 there are still sugarcane fields there, but that wasn't, you know, this is 40-something years later. It's, mm-hmm everything has modernized exactly so now he's coming to school his vision was to come to school get an education a good one Mm -hmm. get a good job and then work to bring everybody over Mm -hmm. right thank thankfully for him he met my mother 
who was also a was a United States citizen, and because because they married, now her citizenship mm-hmm. could help bring people over. Everybody over, mm-hmm. right? Easier, but it's still a process because you got to bring them in one by one. one by you know, one. so it was several several years, or or I can't remember if it was a couple at a time. I I forget the system that they used, okay. you know, but but they brought them over. So two men with the same goal, right? but different backgrounds. And now you have this whole festering of hate and, forg- and, and et cetera, et cetera, on my grandfather's side, mm. you know? So, and, and I brought this in because you can be all this, right? But it doesn't help when you have bitterness attached to part of you. Exactly. And for, for for my father, I admired him too of how he of how he never fought back. But that you know, in some cases, you know, I never understood it growing up. Mm. I was all you know. There there were points where I'm like, man, you're a doormat. Come on. (laughs) But now, then, when you get older and you see the interplay, Mm. and then and how old was I when my grandfather died? I was twenty two mm. and to see to hear the prayer or, or, or to listen to my mom's story of the prayer of my grandfather's prayer that went up how many years was that 30 something years mm. of of spite etc that he held thinking because my grandmother I'm not only putting this on my it was really it, my, my grandfather you know I mean my grandmother had a real hook in all of this she died bitter and unforgiving toward my dad mm. You know, but now without her influence, now that he was able to be in my dad's presence and live with him wow. and see, see that he really cared. You know, this, my dad was a man who would pull him into the shower, mm. who would, who would change his adult diapers, right? you know, who would care for him, make him his favorite foods. And this all, he only had my dad. He was only in our household. For I would change diapers too, but I couldn't do the whole shower thing and everything. And um, but to be really under the ministration of my dad mm-hmm. for six months, you know, that totally mind boggled him hmm. that all these years I've held this resentment. Exactly. When my son-in-law actually loves me. Wow. You know, and he said that in that prayer, Father, forgive me, for I did not know how much I was loved. Wow. So if I think there could have been 30 something years of a good relationship. relationship. Can you imagine how much more would have been achieved? I know. Mm. And can, can I imagine how much family drama there wouldn't be mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, th- I had said before, you know, that there was a whole drama about having two services for my sister. Mm. That stems from that. Wow. That's crazy. And so, and, and this is why I had to bring up that forgiveness aspect because even in a good life, there's always somebody always, we always, we always have something, mm. something dark yeah. or something that we're battling with it you know and 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 for 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 my grandparents and my dad it was this aspect it's crazy it's crazy but you know what it's it's in everybody's family 
And there's some mm-hmm. kind of aspect that somebody we're all trying to deal with, battle with, come to terms with. And sometimes we don't always get all the answers. No. What do you think is the best way to do it? How do we bring God into that so that we can actually be at peace with the things that we're going through? <sighs> I'm just laughing at how you say that because I think about myself and you just have to choose to love. Mm. You have to choose. I talked about, oh, you know, don't, why, dad, why was, I thought, I asked him too later. Why, why didn't you fight back? We talk about that. We, we talked about that last year. You know, dad, all those years, how come you didn't? Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, and, and it, one of it goes toward the respect that he had for his own father and mother who were also living on the island with us that they brought over. Mm-hmm. And what he was always told by, by them, by his father is these, it, if I happen to go first, if I happen to leave this world first, your, fa- your father-in-law steps in as your father. Oh, wow. You need to cultivate respect and just respect at all times. Don't answer back because you don't know, you don't know whatever family drama they have. You don't fully know because you're just marrying into them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but, but they will become, you know, he will become your father. They will be your parents. Mm. And you know what? My grandfather, his father did die at a very early age of 62. Oh, wow. So in a sense, yeah. Now, now the father figure was my grandfather, or rather could have been better <laughs> my grandfather if it had my grandfather allowed it to happen. Right. You know, so, so when I asked dad, you know, why, how come? And, he's, and he said, because what would you rather have? Would you rather keep on fighting and have that fighting spirit all the time? Or would you like to say at the end of your life that you did your best to love? Mm. that you chose that you chose to love because then you then you have nothing to regret the the hate may be on one person you know but you have nothing to regret exactly it's true it's true and and so now what i'm thinking of now of my family situation there's still a lot of drama Mm. you know there's still a lot of things trust me there are so many things that i wish that i could say in response to family arguments etc and i have it all in my head you know and we could have the huge argument mm-hmm. and then i could think and and i'm thinking like what was i going to say to this mm-hmm. what was i going to say and mm-hmm. it's all blanked out of my mind mm-hmm. and 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 later when I think about it and we're talking about it later I'm like oh man that was the that was the perfect opportunity to bring back the et cetera et cetera et cetera et cetera and why didn't I say it Mm. and I realize now that God literally shuts my mouth wow because had I said what I had wanted to say Mm. that would have poisoned the relationship oh wow so he keeps me mum. <laughs> mm. And 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 
you know, I, I find this, you know, I find this in, in the work of the church in ministry as well. Mm-hmm. So many different personalities. Oh, yeah. So, so many different dramas. Yes. Sometimes, and, and I can say, yeah, a lot of, so, some, some do not like my method of, of doing things. Sometimes, sometimes there have been a few, a little arguments here and there. And what I hate nowadays is the fact that everybody hides behind a text. Ah, wow. Right. So, so instead of calling you and saying, Hey, I had a problem with this, mm-hmm. you know, a text is sent and you can read it any which way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't hear the voice inflection. You don't hear anything. Yeah. yeah. But but you you can choose to think, wow, this person was mm-hmm. angry at me or whatever, or, or whatever this text mm-hmm. is, whatever the problem mm-hmm. is. And I am typing away my first, my first instinct because I have seen my mother is the same way. And she's so gentle, she's so peaceful and loving that. Many times I have thought, man, mom, stand up and say something. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, you, you see the person cry and, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that's just injustice. No way. Mm-hmm. And she, she, she tells me now, she, now she's before she's like, Shh, quiet, leave it alone. Now mm-hmm. she's like, oh, yes, say your mind, because she's had 70 plus years of being quiet. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But but now, you know, learning from their pre learning from what I've seen them do, be quiet. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like. Uh uh-uh. uh, you know. So when I receive these texts, I'm like, "All right." My first thought is, "Fire this off." And then, and then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, "I don't, I don't hit send," you know. And mm-hmm. I'm like, "God, help me. How do I reword this yeah. to be loving, to to show you, mm. and to also to also say." what I need to say exactly Don 80% 90% of the time I look at it I end up deleting the whole thing oh wow not to be said because then I begin to think like is this worth fighting over exactly what kind of a relationship do I want to preserve with this person you know and I'm thinking are you being a doormat Mm. (laughs) whatever and then I find when I don't say things and I just leave it or we just apologize and move on, mm. not really delving into all that, then I realized that, well, I don't know, months later that, wow, that was that drama was really nothing. Mm. Was really nothing. Right. <laughs> and then and then I, when I realized at the times that I, um, that sometimes censure you know mm-hmm. right righteous censure does come out but only when it has to has to you know so sometimes i find myself saying like wow wow that was good god oh and it wasn't said it wasn't said in a consciously or anything yeah or nothing but it was in a tone that i could tell the person and the person would go you know what i appreciate that and i'm and let, let's work toward this etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. and i'm like oh so that's how you want me to solve the problem god no way. i get it okay <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. so so I, you know, I think this is how we got to we need to relate to people <laughs> everybody we do what do you think would be the best way that we can 
stay on the trajectory where we keep our mind focused on God, even though we have family members, church members, whatever it is, whoever it is, in our faces to rile us up, to cause us to want to have to react? How do we stay mom and, and stay connected to God during those times? Because it's difficult. We have to realize that we are all broken people. Mm. And the reaction that we are getting now from somebody, and I, I've, I've had to learn this over and over. Why, why is this person upset? Or why, why is this person reacting the way they are? And then when I do a little sleuth thing, I do realize that that person is going through something. Yeah. You know, that, and, and, and perhaps they didn't mean it coming at me mm. the way they meant to, mm. you know? So then I have to ask myself, I, I have to take several steps back mm. and choose to think, okay, what are they going through? Everyone's broken. Yes, I was yelled at. Boo-hoo. You know, can I take that? Yes, I can. I can take mm -hmm. that. You know, mm -hmm. but why? Why is that person reacting? Mm -hmm. And later when I've, when I've allowed everything to calm down, and sometimes, sometimes I won't answer. And I know I'm being expected to answer, but sometimes I'll just let it die. And then I'll go and talk to whoever. Mm -hmm. and discover discover things right I'm like oh you know so I know it's cliche but, but really it's true we have to think we have to allow God into every single situation yes that's true. we have to ask ourselves how can we answer and even minister in this time even when we don't even feel like ministering, mm. you know, I, I was so angry, angry, angry with the doctor that I was dealing with in the first part of my journey with my dad's, with my dad. I was so angry that he kept on telling me, just let your dad go, mm. you know, look, and you know, one of the key things was, do you not see him struggling? You know, they have the doctors have a way to speak to you, to yeah. speak to you, making you feel guilty for, for, for what you're trying to do. And I know that my dad wanted to live. Right. You know, and he's like, you're here on island, you know, just make him comfortable. I tell you. How many conversations did I have in the first two days of me? Or, well, like, I guess the conversation can begin on the weekend when they were when he was telling me to come home. But then once I finally hit there, Sunday night, of course, he's gone. But Monday was four rounds of conversations of just letting my dad go. Hmm. And with each conversation, I got angrier and angrier. And he would bring out more facts, medical facts. Of course. About why I should do this, et cetera. He even was the one that says, don't you see how in agony he is? And I'm like, no, doctor, he's actually peaceful. I see my dad peaceful. Mm. And he goes, I'm going to Zoom with you so that you can see how bad he is. Oh, I wow. go, but I've, I've Zoomed with him. I've ever, and he goes, yes, and what have you seen? I said, I've seen 
a dad who's sleeping or you haven't seen his head shake and you haven't seen, you know, the, 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 his eyes open and glassed out and like, he's not even there. And I said, no, I know I have not seen that. This doctor actually set up a time where my dad would be in that particular state. Hmm. And he called, he called, he made the nurses call me and they filmed, you know, of course I was there. They, they put the iPad right up and made me look at my father who was at that point, you know, he just had the tube down his throat. He looked like a dead man living, oh my you know, he was, he, he was shaking his head back. Like his eyes were half open, um, tube was down his throat and his mouth was moving with the tube but it was like he was dead but being kept alive oh my goodness he kept shaking his head like no no he that's what that's what he kept shaking his head like like if I if I were there and could snap my fingers he would not see me that's Mm -hmm. what the doc that's what the doctor wanted me to see I had never seen this version of my dad that's Mm -hmm. what he wanted me to see Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you I'll tell you my heart dropped this was before that extubation, my heart dropped. And I knew that I was looking at an almost dead father. Wow. I knew that the doctor, this is, this is the whole goal because they wanted me to sign a DNR. Right. And my heart dropped and I'm like, oh, in my head, like I get it. But at the same time, I also knew what God could do. Exactly. You know, I also knew that dad had to be in there somewhere. And after all these conversations with the doctor, there was a certain, I guess you feel like a certain anger. I felt a certain anger already. Like I felt like my dad was a piece of cattle waiting, waiting for the slaughterhouse. Yeah. That they were partitioning off patients. I'm like, okay, that one's going to go. That one's going to go next. That one's going to go next. The doctors are per. And, I, and I've talked with some nurses and they're kind of like, yeah, the ones that know me here in Florida, they're like, yeah, that's that that's how some things are looked at because there's the hospitals are so full. Oh, they need the beds. They need the beds mm. and they're trying to make way. And we're, we're assessing all the patients. And unfortunately, my dad was the one with the most undergoing um, things with him. Mm. And, and, and knowing that, knowing that my dad was just a number to this doctor, hmm. it angered me even more. And I was so angry by the fourth or fifth conversation, especially when he called me and said, well, make your decision, hmm. you know? And, and I said, no, no, you need to, you need to exhibit and allow him to live and if he still struggles then you can put him back on the vent he goes right so you're going to condemn your dad to death oh my goodness what a horrible situation right and and so you know but he's talking at me but he's but at the same time he's giving me all these medical scientific facts so i can't refute that right i can't refute his knowledge right Mm, right and so in anger, I drove, I turned around and drove back to my, um, I was, I was, I had brought food for my mother. I turned around and was driving back to my, my apartment um, that I was staying at. And I was just angry and God spoke. And he says, you're approaching this the wrong way. Hmm. You need to tell this doctor about why you're fighting for your dad. 
Mm. You need to tell this doctor about me. Mm. And I had prayed for this. I had I forget my prayer that I had been praying on the plane on, on the plane the day before. You know, I had prayed let let whoever I come into contact with, mm-hmm. you know, doctors, nurses, let me be mm-hmm. able to testify. But mm-hmm. in this moment yeah. of how this doctor was treating my dad's case, yeah, you know, yes, I became a fighter, but but I was forgetting the prayer that I had made. Made. Mm-hmm. And I had to change my whole, then in speeding, then as I was speeding, I started changing. Then I started praying. Mm. I'm like, what do you want me to say, God? Got into the apartment. It took me a whole 25 minutes to just pray and just say, because I knew that the the ending time of the day was coming up for this doctor. I was past the ending time of the day. Mm -hmm. And I said, Father, speak to me. I don't know what to say. I'm so angry at this doctor mm. that he just he just wants me to sign my dad's life away. Oh my god. Oh help me. You know, and I called and even the hospital was kind of iffy about oh I don't think doctor is here and oh, oh wait he is here but he's in his office. Oh but wait he's busy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like really so of course my my anger comes back in. Right. You know, and I'm like oh, oh. and then he comes back on and he's like Jennifer um did, did I miss any questions? So I had to start with something medically mm-hmm. to lead into. I'm like, but doctor, mm-hmm. have you done all the tests? What happened to the neurological tests that you said mm-hmm. that you were taking? Have those tests come in, et cetera, et cetera. And he's telling me, I'm like, okay, doctor, I understand, but I need to tell you why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I began, you know, I guess testifying. I'm like, this is how, this is what it was when I was born. This mm-hmm. is what my dad did. This is how God how God came into my life at that time. This is how, this is what God has done for me. This is how God has saved my husband twice. And if God can do all that, then he can save my dad. Mm. You know, and it was an impassioned 10 minutes of telling him and he was silent and he's like, okay, but can I tell you that you were a preemie baby? And so you had, as a baby, you had a chance to fight back. I'm like, no, 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 doctor. I was a preemie baby with a hole in my heart in 1979, when you all still did not have the medical advances that you have today to repair a hole in my heart at two pounds. Mm. And he's like, okay, okay. But your husband, he's a young man. I go, my husband's a young man who's been at death's door twice. Mm -hmm. I said, so all of these times we could have just died, but God was here. God has led. And if you allow my dad to live, if you intubate him, if he struggles, I know God can heal, mm. you know? And, and, and that was the only, okay, well, I, I can't, I can only tell you medical science, but you're coming at me with spirituality and I can't fight that. Ooh. I'm like, <laughs> Well, I mean, that's my experience. I go, I'm, I respect you, doctor. I respect all that you've done for all the patients, especially my dad. I know where you're coming from, but I also know a powerful God. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, well, I'll, 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 when we extubate and he struggle, struggles, I'll reintubate him. But you know, you're sign- still, he ends like, but you know that you are assigning him to a life on machines. This is your decision. I'm like, so be it so mm-hmm. be it wow. you know but that those the next five or six he when he called me back he was very subdued this time and not 
arrogance Mm -hmm. but he was just like yeah so your father is breathing on his own (laughs) and the the first thing was like praise the lord i mean that came out of my mouth praise the lord and i know speaking to all the nurses i had that they don't quite know what to how to respond to a like Mm -hmm. amen praise god they're just like yeah Yeah. um, don't say that too soon because you're then he brings it back well I told you that your dad had better lungs I'm like no no sir you you told me that my dad was on death's door Mm -hmm. well you know his lungs had a capacity of making through I go no you said this but we're not going to focus on that we're going to focus on the fact that my dad that that God has pulled through and my dad is breathing oh well like I said your your dad has no brain cognition Mm -hmm. you know what we'll let God do his thing Mm -hmm. day to day. And then that that was my last interaction that I had with that particular doctor. Okay. Now you fast forward to the day that my dad was dying. I had a different doctor, very compassionate, but I was talking to, I was talking to elder Barbara Mm. the hour before we knew he was dying. Cause I had, we had just come off of a call planning what's going to happen if dad could, comes home how to take care of him and the option also was um make dad comfortable you can your option you can intubate or whatever we can do all this other stuff or you can just make dad comfortable and let him go so i talked to elder barbara and i was like hey this is what's going on these are the things that are happening and and she said it doesn't matter what decision you make you can choose to make him comfortable you can choose to let him go the ultimate decision is that God's gonna say whether or not he lives or dies? Yes, exactly. He goes. She. He could be making a, a big miracle, working, and he could be like healing his lungs, and he's gonna get up and walk, Pastor mm-hmm. Jen, mm-hmm. or or he may sleep. But at the end of the day, whatever decision you make is not the final decision because God's gonna make it. And I'm like, okay. I, and so I said this. I go, but what about that doctor? She goes. Wait, okay, which doctor? I said, the doctor who was so, she goes, he goes, she goes, oh, the first doctor. I said, yeah. And she goes, so what's her worry about that? I go, you know, he's going to walk into the ward now. He's going to be like, oh, because his rotation, I, I told you, you know, Mr. Galiza is dying or has died or whatever. And mm-hmm. he's like, and she's like, <laughs> she goes past to Jen. That battle has already been won. I said, how? How has that battle been won? I go, how have I testified if my dad dies, how does that show him the glory of God? It's only going to, it's only going to underline the fact that he was right. And she said, (laughs) she goes, no, she goes, I can tell you that as a nurse on these wards, we see like the patient, right? We see, oh, that patient is going to tank right after they're extubated. We're already thinking like that person has maybe two, three days left of life because mm-hmm. we've seen this over and over again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that doctor and those nurses were expecting your dad to die right away once he was extubated. They mm-hmm. were not expecting him to breathe on his own. Mm-hmm. The fact that your dad has breathed on his own without being on the vent for 10 days. Mm-hmm. That already, God has already won the battle with that doctor. That's right. He had to show him that, yes, there is a higher power. Mm. I'm like. That's true. 
what? You know, I don't know why that didn't come. She, she goes, yeah. She goes, God took care of that one a while. So now God's just working on that doctor's heart. And we'll never know. We'll, we'll never know. But one day we might have a conversation with this doctor later. Hmm. Did you ever get to see the other doctor? No, yeah. never got to see him. We, wow. We got, we got, the, we got the, the final doctor that we were given. Mm. And this is, this is why it's all God led, right? The final doctor that we were given was so compassionate. Wow. He, he, he was the one that was the Christian and he was the one who, wow. who, who has his own level of, of, of seeing and knowing God. Mm. But he, he was the one who had said, you know, we've never seen this. We've never seen how death dealt with like how your, your daughter and you have done it. You know, mm-hmm. Mrs. Galiza and you, you touched us tonight. You impacted us all. Oh, wow. Amazing. Amazing, Jen. Embracing love. Embracing love. So, so I had to love, I had to love that doctor too, Don. It's you like, did. you know how hard it is. And, and, and that's what I mean. Oh. You have to, you have to change your own perspective in, in answer to that question. How do you, mm, in this walk, how do you, how, how do you keep Jesus in there? You have to choose you have to literally ask jesus even when you do not want to because this person is just making you mad you have to say jesus help me out here (laughs) because (laughs) other things are going to come out of my mouth that are not godly exactly and i ask you to help me on this journey so how am I supposed to talk to this person? How am I supposed to deal with this in this situation? You have, it's a choice. Exactly, exactly, it's true. Well, Pastor Jen, thank you so much. It was always, always learning from your sermons, always learning. It was awesome, awesome. And to listen to Pastor Jen's full sermon, um, you can go to Plantation SDA Church YouTube channel or plantationsda.tv. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to be notified of all our live streams and programs. And also please subscribe to Plantation SDA Church on your favorite podcast app. Pastor Jane, can you lead us out with a word of prayer, please? Of course. Father, we thank you, Lord, on the journeys that you send us on. Mm. That's is not only a life journey or an experience for that particular moment, Lord, but it is a journey with you that shows us how to live a life in you, Father, no matter how difficult it may be sometimes. Mm. At the core of it all, you are love. The verse says, God is love. You are love. And because you are love, you have already instilled within us love, Lord. Love that is has been made from your own image. And that if we choose to, and if we allow love to come forth, the love that you've given, that it will be easy for us to embrace love during the hardest times and to show love during any trial that we may happen to be walking, Father. Sometimes it's hard. It's, <laughs> it goes against our sinful nature, Father. 
to embrace one another in love, to see you in people we come across, people that we might not care for, people that we're going to prejudge because of our sinful nature. But Father, help us to always choose love because we never know, Father, who we will end up impacting along the way. We never know how these seeds, these tiny, we would, you know, these tiny things, these tiny actions that we do, mm-hmm. Lord. Mm-hmm. We never know how that seed will grow and how it will grow for you, Lord. Yeah. And so be with us, Father. Help us to love. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 And to all our podcast listeners, Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.